you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Elliott. Super excited for today. We got the legend, the myth. What's up, Matt? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, Brandon. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. So, um, you know, today, I really wanted to talk about, you've been doing some really big things. You got six-figure flipper. Um, that's kind of your whole brand, as well as, um, you know, you have actually a course out that teaches people from A to Z how to, you know, get their flipping done correctly, right? Yep. That is uh, one of the many projects and and focuses of, you know, the real estate ecosystem that I play in. Um, You know, originally a a realtor and just grinding and working in my business and was kind of stuck in the commission trap of, you know, working 70, 80 hours a week and ultimately not getting to enjoy the lifestyle, the freedom, the income, and build wealth the way I initially envisioned it when I first came into real estate in the first place. So I started as I was building up my real estate team, really kind of becoming more focused on the stepping stones that would allow me to unlock wealth. I saw too many amazing, intelligent, smart realtors that were in their 50s, 60s, 70s, grinding away in their business, essentially making, you know, 15 to 25 dollars an hour working in their business because they had to and ultimately not because they wanted to and the statistic of national association of realtors you know most realtors work um 40 hours a week in their business they make forty-two thousand dollars a year putting it at about 24 bucks an hour and i was like man i could go work at starbucks you know for that and you know be able to check in and check out and I was grinding and, you know, wearing all these different hats of being a marketer, being a sales, being an admin, you know, all these things. And I realized that, you know, I was going to need to create systems and infrastructure in my business if I ultimately wanted to scale myself out of it. And ultimately, I was going to also have to scale myself out of not just buying and helping others buy and sell houses, but to start doing it for myself. And I think everybody's heard that, you know, famous uh, statistic of, you know, 90% of millionaires are created through, created so through owning real estate, not selling real estate, but through owning real estate. And so I realized that I was in the industry and in the space that was the vehicle that I could leverage and that I was passionate about and that I had a lot of skills and resources and connections and opportunities right in front of me. I just needed to kind of turn my radar on to what those were and build the, the skill set and have you know, some of the tools on my tool belt that I didn't have at the time. And so that became a big focus. And I started uh, flipping houses. I started buying rentals. I partnered in a construction company and started seeing all these synergies of, you know, how I could capture different buckets of income while still serving my clients and growing my business at the same time. So that allowed us to scale to the Wall Street Journal top 1000 and grow our real estate team. But more importantly, um, I was able to start buying rentals and getting passive income and flipping houses and really just enjoying what I was doing instead of feeling like I was a slave to my business. I started finding ways to get my business to ultimately work for me. And that led me to kind of, you know, speaking and traveling and doing opportunities where 
I was kind of just openly sharing what was working for me, not thinking, you know, anything much about it, except for just being passionate about seeing a lot of other individuals who had these same goals and aspirations that I did. And to be able to give them a system and an infrastructure that they could follow to not necessarily take away from their business, but to supplement and add to their business and generate those things that they initially got into real estate for in the first place. And hence, that's kind of where the Six Figure Flipper was born and where we have you know students all around the country that are active realtors, active real estate entrepreneurs and professionals that are you know just following the framework and finding opportunities that other people say aren't out there, funding these opportunities with none of their own money, which is a key one yeah. um, because I've funded all of my deals with none of my own money. All um, of your own deals, right? 150 plus flips have Ooh. been with none of my own money and leveraging other people's money and some of those different strategies on how you can do that, which I'm sure we will dive into, yeah. but then, you know, how to fix these projects up without having to be a construction expert or swing a hammer if you don't want to. And then obviously, you know, being a real estate professional, how to sell them for top dollar and maximize how much money I could put in my pocket as well as drive some commission revenue into the real estate business. And so there was a lot of things where, you know, this blueprint of connecting all these dots that was there. I just didn't know how to connect the dots at the time. And through a lot of failing forward and still continuing to fail forward, yeah. um, you know, expand and evolve and grow. But most importantly, just to get in there and, and take act, you know, take action and start taking a few hacks inside the batter's box. Yeah, of course. Now you mentioned a bunch of great things there. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you did take action in, um, in that lifestyle and, you actually, you started as a realtor. You've crushed it since then. There, I, I run into a lot of people that actually are very debating whether or not they should start off as a realtor or if they should jump in as an investor. If you had the choice to redo everything, obviously you crushed it even back then as a realtor, but you know, what would you do or what would you recommend? Uh, I, at first, I would say it all depends on your goals. Yeah, you know, I, th I think ultimately it depends on your goals. Do you want to build a, a real estate business or do you want to be a real estate investor or do you want to do both? Um, you know, a lot of people ask me, hey, do I need my real estate license to invest in real estate? And the easy answer is, of course not. No. Um, you do not need a real estate license to go out and invest in real estate. I know a lot of mentors, friends, teachers, you know, experts that are seven, eight figure earners and they do not have you know, a real estate license, nor do they have a desire to have a real estate license. Um, that was just my stepping stone and kind of where I started. And uh, looking back now, it has given me a lot more opportunity to collect income along the way because I find a lot of opportunities, you know, where I'm negotiating directly with sellers, offering them cash to buy their property, but that ultimately doesn't work for nine out of 10 people. And so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just giving them one option. I was giving them multiple options saying, hey, you can take our cash offer or we are a top real estate team in the area and we can list your house and market it for top dollar and put as much money in your pocket as possible. Or being that I'm also a real estate investing expert, I know how to maximize the ROI on these opportunities. What we can also do is consult you on fixing up certain areas of your home if you have some cash, time and energy to put into it. And by investing in these areas of your home, you can increase your listing price by X amount of dollars and by how much extra money you're going to make based on what you put in, that investment is worth da, 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 da. And so kind of using that channel to be able to capture some of the other income opportunities just by having my license, either through referrals or listing um, those opportunities through our team, it allowed me 
to put a little bit more money in my pocket, but definitely not the requirement in order to get started. So I would say is getting clarity on your goals is first and foremost. Do you want to build a team? Do you want to be a single agent? Do you want to do it part-time? Do you just want to focus on real estate investing to generate cash flow? Whatever that looks like, knowing that first and foremost will help you get extremely purposeful in creating what the action plan is behind those goals. So that way you can reverse engineer it. Clarity is one thing that a lot of people lack and therefore they waste a lot of time doing and trying things that ultimately aren't moving the needle forward in getting them to their goals a lot faster. So you can accelerate your goals significantly just by being very, very clear. First place to start. Then from there, you can reverse engineer an action plan to getting there. And then obviously pairing that with accountability, a coach, a mentor, and just taking action will help you you know, get in the game. Like I said, I always refer to it as kind of sports, right? I'm a big sports fan. So uh, spectators, there you go. Action, right? <laughs> spectators don't get paid. You know, you, you got to get in the batter's box. If you're sitting in the dugout watching, you're never going to have the opportunity to get on base and score runs and ultimately, you know, win at life or win at business or win at investing. And so that's a big part of, you know, just kind of taking action like your book says and getting in that batter's box. Are you going to strike out? Are you going to fail? Hell yeah. I, I do it every day. I'm still doing it, yeah. right? But that's how we get in there and we start getting reads on what the pitcher's throwing and what's coming at us and things start to slow down and we start connecting dots and eventually you start hitting the ball and getting on base. Maybe you hit a double, maybe you hit a triple, maybe you hit a home run, but you're never going to have that opportunity if you're just watching from the stand dugout. So um, getting no, in there is the big part of it. Yeah, all the information in the world that, you know, people give out and there's so much out there that um, at the end of the day, you can soak it all up and you can stay in that zone of, of just learning as much as possible. But if you're not actually implementing anything, and you're not taking action to, you know, um, to learn from your mistakes and get hands on with it, then it, you're really it's all that information out there is useless because you really need to implement it, take action and, and move forward. And like you said, having a coach, accountability partner. Um, all those things are tremendously add value uh, and cut your learning curve tremendously down. When um, I, I do want to talk about, you know, your lead generation, I want to talk about system building because you've crushed it in all aspects of when you're a realtor as well as uh, now in your in your business of flipping and uh, and coaching as well. And I want to talk about raising money, but um, but before we jump into that, you know, why why real estate for you? Uh, for me, it was, you know, when I was graduating from college, I'd paid basically all this money and gone into debt to be, um, you know, successful and, and be on a path that ultimately I thought was going to unlock the, the lifestyle and the freedom that I had wanted. Yeah. And when I, you know, got out from college and I saw how challenging it was to find a job and that the jobs that were available were paying 40 or $50,000 a year. I had a ceiling on what I could make you know, and I was essentially building someone else's dream. For me, it just wasn't um, what was going to fill my cup. And so when I made a career hit list of all the things that I wanted, I wanted the freedom and flexibility of being my own boss. Um, I wanted unlimited earning potential. I wanted to help people achieve their goals in the process of me achieving mine. Um, I wanted lifestyle design. I wanted more time and freedom with family and friends and loved ones. And most importantly, I wanted a career that allowed me to actually create wealth instead of collect a paycheck. And so when I went down that hit list and I started checking off all the boxes and doing the research, 
real estate was that vehicle. And that's where um, I was inspired to kind of take that next step and get in the game. And, um, you know, I did that and quickly realized that it was a whole lot harder than, you know, I had expected it to be. And so I was really going to have to master my craft and, and go dig into the areas of not only the business, but also to dig into the areas of myself that I needed to elevate and um, grow in order to become the individual that would, you know, get to enjoy all those things that I put on my career hit list. So that's why real estate was, you know, initially attractive for me. Of course, I, I think that's very relatable to, to most people out there, they want to get buy some of their time back and, and spend time with their, with their friends or family. Um, you, you've obviously created a, a nice little beautiful family as well. I was stalking your Facebook the other day. <laughs> yeah, I got two little two little girls that keep me on my toes mentally and physically. I got a beautiful and amazing wife. That's awesome. And um, yeah, very feel very fortunate and grateful to you know that's that's most important. I mean, if my business was taken away from me, if my you know experiences and travels and all the options that real estate gives me were taken away from me. Most importantly, you know, the, the family and, and the loved ones are, are what it's all about. That's right. So where are you investing? You're, um, you're I say, I, I say I invest in uh, Sacramento to Silicon Valley. So basically Sacramento and the Valley is state capital of California, all the way out to tech central of Silicon Valley and anywhere in between from, okay. you know, Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco, Napa Valley, San Jose, you name it. Um, those are kind of my stomping grounds. Cool. Uh, let's talk about leads then. Like how, how are you actually getting these leads? I know you're just about to actually release a course on how you do it from A to Z, um, you know, breaking it down extremely easy and giving people the tools to what they need to, to succeed just like you have. So how yeah. are you doing it? Give us I mean, there's a little sneak peek of, of the inside of the course that's coming out soon. Absolutely. I mean, there's hundreds of different ways you can generate leads. Um, some of the most common ways that I have generated leads over the course of my career, uh, number one, have just been relationships. So wholesalers, bird doggers, um, agents. I have what's, essentially, a, what's a bird dog just for listeners that might not know? Individuals who essentially are out having conversations with individuals that might have an opportunity where uh, a seller may want to sell their house directly to you or just identifying relationships or individuals that may end up leading to an off-market sale or a direct seller to buy or purchase, and those individuals get compensated. But for me, some of my best deals have always come from those types of relationships, and I look at it, that's more of my long-term strategy. So if you're going to be a real estate investor, I want to preface this, is you got to go into it with a long-term mindset. This is not a get-rich-quick industry, as many people may think it is or as sexy as it might sound or be. It is, it's a grind. It's a, it's a long-term strategy. And I call that the crock pot mentality versus the microwave mindset. The people with the microwave mindset, the first roadblock they hit, the first challenge or pothole they experience, they get discouraged and they get out of the game. And the individuals who have the long-term game in mind are ultimately the ones who end up winning and winning big and seeing those compounding results because the crock pot always produces a much better dish than the microwave does, right? That's so right. Now, now, how long have you been in the game? I've been investing in real estate for uh, going on seven years now. It's my seventh year, okay. um, essentially right out of college for me. And, you know, when it comes to uh, lead generation, I, I look at it in perspective of kind of like a farm. Um, you know, when you're starting off new, 
you're looking at raw dirt yeah. and you know, as you begin to learn some of the different lead generation strategies out there based on your time, your energy, your resources you have available, then you're going to start rototilling that dirt and figuring out what seeds you want to plant in that dirt, what strategies you want to implement and employ inside your business. And from there, you have to consistently water and nurture those strategies and execute on those strategies before any kind of crop is going to be produced and those crops produce fruit or you know, something that is worthwhile. And therefore, then over time, with tweaks and, you know, attention to those strategies to those crops, you have the ability to really enjoy and reap the, the rewards and the benefits from it. So for me, relationships are absolutely a long term play and a strategy that are imperative for just having consistent opportunities coming in. There's a lot of free lead generation strategies out there, um, driving for dollars, door knocking, uh, cold calling, auctions, REI groups. I mean, you name it. I have a, a guide that basically is a hundred different ways that um, I have or my students have generated real estate investing leads. And then there's a lot of different pay to play strategies, right? And my favorite one and the one that um, I just am wrapping up creating a course that we're launching on is uh, direct, direct mail. And it's the direct mail mastery course and how to leverage direct mail to not only find off market motivated sellers that could you you either leverage them if you're a realtor to list their property, to um, purchase their property directly from them. But direct mail has hands down made me over seven figures in real estate uh, investing in particular, added uh, a lot of wealth to my real estate portfolio and passive income and allowed me to flip a lot of properties. So direct mail is hands down, you know, one of the most proven strategies that are out there. But there's a lot of people that don't do it right, don't commit to the process, don't know and understand the process. And I was one of those people and I lost a lot of money uh, doing it out, doing it wrong, the right, uh, you know, right out of the gate. And so as I kind of failed forward and split tested and studied and really uh, became a student of the game to understand how this strategy was working for so many successful investors, I was able to kind of dial in a process and a system that ultimately works in a way that. Uh, get you the results you're looking for. And so direct mail has been one of my best ones. Pulse, um, not wholesalers, uh, bandit signs, pay-per-click are also other ways that generate uh, okay. leads. But right now, you know, it's a, it's a competitive market, right? So you really have to, uh, dabblers make a dabbler's income. You really have to go into it with the mindset of mastering um, one of these strategies. I look at it like the three legs to a stool. And at all times, I have three solid lead generation strategies going on that uh, hopefully will bring in some deals. Okay, awesome. Now, if you don't mind me asking, um, what are some of the costs that are associated with direct mail marketing or um, like your budget that you have for that as well as pay-per-click? I haven't tried pay-per-click yet, but it is something that I'm very interested in. After, after you answer that, I do want to jump into... You know, if you could give us some golden nuggets on kind of the breakdown process of what direct mail marketing looks like to you, what you would kind of like pros and cons. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, so when it comes to where where would you like me to start? I guess. Yeah. So um, I guess like budget first. Like, what what kind of budget would you recommend for for newbies getting started? Like you said, it is important to go aggressively get in there and, and master that you know, that one technique at first, well, yeah. what kind of budget do you have right now? Well, it depends on, you know, how much you want to spend. Cause you For don't sure. want to do a, a one and done strategy. Um, the direct mail association, uh, DMA.org basically 
um, has all kinds of statistics on direct mailing and billions of direct mail pieces are sent every single year. And so they've gathered a significant amount of data and studies show that um, essentially on your third, fourth and fifth touch, your conversion rates increase significantly from 10 all the way up to 40% uh, response rate. And so when you're doing direct mail, you want to map out when you're creating your budget that you're at least going to do three or four uh, drips or, or touches in the campaign. And so I've seen people generate results and we've generated results on a list of a size of 100. And sometimes you need to generate, you know, a list the size of two, three, four thousand names in order to get a deal. So the cost per deal is going up because um, there are a lot of people that are mailing the one and done strategy. But if you continue to go deeper into the mailing campaign and you consistently get your brand and your message in front of the right people at the right time, yeah. um, you're separating yourself and differentiating yourself from the competition. So okay. there are list providers out there, hundreds of list providers out there that scrape data anywhere from inherited property list to divorce list to probate list to code and tax lien violation list to pre-foreclosure list, you name it, there's all kinds of lists. And some of those can vary based on the, the, the size of your city or your county or your area that you're looking to target from 50 names all the way up to 50,000 names. Um, so it just depends on, first, you got to know what your budget is. Then from there, you can figure out what your list size looks like, who you're going to target, um, and kind of reverse engineer that. But those costs can be anywhere from, you know, 10 cents all the way up to 50 cents. Uh, and it depends on, you know, really how accurate that data is and, and who's gathering it for you. And there's a lot of providers out there that you can research and do some due diligence on and see what areas they specialize in. But um, I've seen people, like I said, generate, you know, a, a deal that's made 10, 15, 20, upwards of a hundred thousand plus dollars on just spending 500 bucks on a mailing campaign. Um, sometimes it costs five, 10,000 bucks to get a deal. So it depends on your market and a lot of other variables of, you know, your competition and what you're mailing to. But those are some things to keep in mind and know that, you know, depending on that um, will kind of depend on how you reverse engineer what your budget looks like. Okay. Is there a certain company that you like to use more than others or are you doing it all in-house? Uh, in regards to list providers? Yeah. So uh, there's obviously there's, there's free sources, right? Like for example, you can go down to your county courthouse and get all of the divorce filings or probate filings or inherited properties yeah. or, you know, people who are getting filed with a notice of default. So that requires a little legwork and manpower and time and energy. Um, your title companies often now are leveraging and employing, um, you know, softwares to add value to their clients to hopefully help their clients find opportunities that will in turn get some loyalty for them to you know relist uh, or, or take their their title policies through them things like that so you can do it yourself you can have a, a title rep um and and look that way or there's a lot of paid companies out there usleadlist.com has been around forever listability is a very popular one um, and then there's you know companies and softwares like rebo gateway that does data scraping nationwide uh, property radar focuses on a lot of the western com uh, the western states yep. so there's tons out there um, i would recommend reaching out to different um, investors in your market and see what lists they're using and what lists are working for them or just you know do some research in real estate investing groups make a post things like that and you'll start seeing some common names common companies pop up of course yeah um 
So what kind of criteria are you actually looking to focus on uh, when you're actually sending out these letters? Uh, criteria as in? Like, are, are you shooting for probate? Are you shooting for divorce or like um, owner occupied? Like, are there certain key things and it de does it depend on um, like the neighborhood or, or is it just like something that you've seen more uh, beneficial that works? Well, one of the most common ones that at least gets the phone ringing pretty consistently is the absentee um, in-state or absentee out-of-state owner list, which is obviously your landlords. And landlords are somewhat of a revolving door of sellers, right? There's a lot of people who get into real estate investing um, thinking that it's going to be a great opportunity for them to unlock wealth and freedom. And they realize that it's a whole lot of work. And by not doing the right things and running the right systems and leveraging the right people and the strategies, that it ultimately becomes more of a stressor and an inconvenience and a financial burden on them because they don't run their business like a business and it runs them and ultimately um, they want to get out of it. They get tired of toilets, taxes, tenants, turnover. And so the nice thing about that is oftentimes those individuals who are looking to sell, they're already in an investor mindset. Therefore, they're thinking numbers and they're not necessarily emotionally tied to the property like some owner occupants or individuals who have lived in their home are for a really long time. So I like absentee owners as just kind of a consistent way of getting the phone to ring. Yeah. But then some of the niche lists um, that have shown great response rates are probates, are tax liens, are code violations, because those are individuals that ultimately have to do something because if they don't do something about it, therefore something's going to be done for them. They're either going to get their house forced at sale or at auction, uh, foreclosed on. So there's, you know, those super motivated sellers, those lists are a lot smaller uh, depending on your area and your marketplace, but good ones to start with to potentially do some hyper-targeted mailing with the right custom piece, with the right call to action. Um, but you're just not going to get the volume, therefore you're not going to get as many calls. Yeah. Whereas absentee, high equity lists are obviously uh, a little bit more abundant and good places to start as well. Now with your lettering, um, are, you, are you making it as personable as possible? Say that one more time. Uh, with your lettering, are, are you making it as personable as possible to get them to like really know who you are and who your business is? Or, um, you know, are you, are you kind of just, you know, we buy houses, I can close in a week, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, I mean, you definitely there, you got to think at the end of the day, you're not the only person direct mailing these individuals on these lists. So you got to find ways to bridge the gap of making this cold traffic, cold relationship turn into something warm, or at least to separate yourself or differentiate yourself from the competition, right? Yeah, so per personalization is definitely a big piece of it. Um, having a good headline and having a good PS line are absolutely imperative because most of the time people aren't going to read through the entire mailing piece. They're going to look at the headline and they're going to look at the PS line. And if it catches their attention, then maybe they'll read through the entire thing. So good headlines, good PS lines are great. Um, always have multiple call to actions in the strategy going from pain to pleasure, whatever it is, if it's a landlord and they're, you know, tired of toilets, taxes, tenants, we try and really highlight that we understand that pain and through our service, we can help them alleviate that pain. The WIFM strategy, what's in it for me, right? What are the benefits? They always wanna know, they don't care who you are or what you do, they wanna know what's in it for them. So 
addressing those things in your copy and making it very compelling is important. Uh, postcards are nice because they're cheap and they're a great way to test your list as the first touch because hmm. um, you're going to get a lot of return to senders. So instead of sending more expensive pieces, you can send a postcard to start out with. And the nice thing about postcards is they don't have to open anything up to see your messages. Whereas yellow letters, formal letters, tear sheets, you know, some of the other options that are available, yes, they do have to open those up, but there's obviously strategies and ways we found that allow us to get those opened. And at the same time, um, oftentimes those are much higher converting because other people aren't necessarily using those strategies and are just going with postcards or going with the basic scenarios or templates. So the customization, the personalization definitely plays a part. And some of those other key elements that I talked about, like the headlines, the PS lines, and the compelling copy are also very important. Okay, that's awesome. That's tremendous. Thank you for all that. I appreciate that. That's a lot of value right there. That's good. There you go, man. Um, cool. Let's talk about systems, brother. I mean, you start off building, I mean, you're just, I don't know if it comes natural to you or if you grew Definitely up with, not. with systems or, or what it was, but, but you've crushed it in the past with systems as a realtor. You're crushing it now with systems and getting the direct mail marketing out there, having, um, you know, you're, you're teaching people nationwide as well as extremely successful within your company. You know, how, how do you do it? You know, it's one of those things where as a business owner, because this is a business, right? You really have to put your business hat on and, and remove the emotion of the industry that you're playing in, even though there's emotion tied into it, right? And we're all human beings, so yeah. um, emotion is involved. And yet, you really have to look and approach every opportunity that you're looking to create wealth and income in as a business. Yeah. And as much as it can be a challenge to remove emotion sometimes, you have to do that. And that's one reason why I love real estate investing so much is it's black and white. And therefore, it allows the numbers and the systems to tell us what to do, what not to do, what our next steps are. But I can say this is no one puts a chip in your brain and says, hey, you're going to be a great, great leader now. You're going to be a great manager. You're going to be a great business owner. You're going to be great at reading P&Ls. You're going to be great at creating systems. Those, were, those just weren't natural things to me. Maybe I had certain inclinations and certain capabilities, but ultimately I have invested in my craft and in myself effortlessly. I mean, tirelessly. It's one of those things where um, I'm a, I always tell myself I'm a student of the game and I'm always looking for my next teacher. And if I remain humble and I always remain in the mindset of I can learn and grow each and every day and that I don't know it all, um, and that I keep that humility as a leading characteristic and trait, it's going to serve me more than if I think I have it figured out. And so learning a lot of my weaknesses, as much as people say, double down on your strengths and leverage your weaknesses, I 100% agree with that. And I also think that there will always be opportunities to grow. And if you can identify the top 20% of what those opportunities are and leverage the other 80%, if those top 20% of opportunities for growth will help leverage and elevate your other strengths, not 2x, but maybe 3 or 4 or 5 or 10x, then those are areas that you should really commit to learning and growing. And so every student like or that. every master starts as a student, right? And, um, and in many of these areas of growing a team, of building systems, of learning how to scale, um, not only am I still learning and still failing forward, 
but that was just the mentality and approach. So I wouldn't say that I had anything figured out, nor do I say that I still have everything figured out. I'm just constantly looking for opportunities to identify great talent and put them in a position to be in the right seat on the right bus, going to the right destination. And when that happens and everybody's clear on what their expectation, their standard is, um, we all get to win together. I love it. That's great. Now, how many, how many people are a part of your team now? Uh, they're really separated. So uh, okay. the construction company is separated and they're running um, out of a separate office. And my partners basically manage and, and run that entire business. So I'm a silent partner in that business. Okay. Um, I spend most of my time in my real estate investing business and my uh, e-learning and you know, online products business now. Um, the real estate investing business is basically an admin um, with uh, a, a virtual assistant, a tax strategist, an attorney. And other than that, um, it's running pretty lean, as well as on the rental business, one admin um, and a bookkeeper part time. And then on the e learning side, uh, I have a handful. I have a digital marketing team of three people that are based out of LA. I got one full-time guy in the office who does a lot of my media and things like that. And uh, like I said, I leverage you know the construction team on the real estate investing side to project manage to do a lot of the construction and all of those things. So for me, it's a it's a very lean model, but they all kind of cross pollinate and, and leverage and work together. That's great. Yeah. Now, how many? How many uh, times have you had like trials and errors with your guys and, and you've had to let people go or like for virtual assistant, uh, for example, you know, I hear a lot of people having a lot of trouble kind of communicating the transparency and uh, the long distance. There's a lot of things that pop, you know, come up. So how many times have you had to like replace a virtual assistant or has it been just one solid the whole time? Um no, I would say uh, I've had some people that have been with me forever and then I've had, you know, turnover as well. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where uh, I've had to let certain people come and go from the team as agents because they weren't upholding the standard. Yep. Um, and oftentimes I look at first and foremost in the mirror of what could I have done better as a leader? What was my DNA on this situation? Because right. as easy as it is to point the finger, yep. um, more growth happens when we, you know, reflect and look back in the mirror first and say, where could I have improved? Where could I have showed up better? Where did I let this individual down? And therefore, by doing that, that led to them not upholding the standard. So uh, that's ultimately, you know, something I think that comes as a part of growth and as learning. And um, in regards to, you know, virtual assistants and things like that, um, I've had some great ones that I still work with and I've had some that just don't uphold the standard and I'm clear on what those standards are and have communicated what those standards are. But there's a lot of different ways that we've been able to improve systems and really close some of those gaps. Um, one of the communication channels that we use that allows us to really stay on the same page and stay organized and systematized with uh, the teams that are remote are uh, processes and, and platforms like Slack. Slack is a great one that we love to use uh, that keeps everything essentially in different channels. So we have multiple channels for the different businesses and the people that are on each of those teams is in that channel and it allows us to kind of keep the culture building as well as the communication um, consistent. 
And that's just one example of, you know, leveraging a lot of the systems and, and softwares and tools and resources that we now have available to us. You can run not only a lean team, but you can run a, a remote team that ultimately can still serve your goals and help you design whatever business model you want to create. Oh yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm actually in the, in the need and looking for a virtual assistant right now. So that is a lot of great advice. Cool. Yeah. I mean, there's Fiverr, there's upwork.com. Yeah. If you're looking specifically for real estate, um, I mean, we've had virtual assistants uh, do cold calling five days a week for us that were, you know, overseas um, that we got from myoutdesk.com, which is a buddy of mine who runs um, that, that, uh, that company. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, opportunities out there. I think what it comes back to is, are you clear on what you need that individual to do? Yep. Are they clear on what they need to do? Is there an integration and onboarding that sets them up for success? And is there a growth and an action and accountability plan that continues to keep them on that path of growth uh, and upholding the standards that you've set for them? A lot of people just expect somebody to come in and figure out all the crazy thoughts in their head and organize their life. And then they blame that individual for not performing or doing it to the standard that they should have done it. And ultimately um, I had actually, you know, kind of a funny story. One of my first uh, assistants, um, she goes, man, you are, you're super talented and you're always moving so fast, but I got to be honest, I'm not going to be able to work for you very long if you don't get more clear and more purposeful on what you need me to do. She's like, and she, and, and she kind of called me on the carpet and this, I was like 23 years old. And, uh, she goes, you're constantly throwing bowling balls over your shoulder without looking where you're throwing them. And you're constantly looking for the next one to pick up. And it's like constant bowling balls getting thrown over your shoulder. And you're just imagine you know, expect yeah. me to run around and catch them and file them and organize them. When ultimately what I need you to do, Matt, is I need you to take a little bit of time and think of us running a relay together. And just like a relay marathon happens, the ones who win are the individuals who take the baton. And when they're done running their sprint, they smoothly hand the baton off so I can grab it and keep running right with you and past you. Instead of throwing bowling balls at me, I need you to get better at handing off batons. And that was a good analogy for me to go, okay, I can get better at this, but I need to take a little bit of time. I need to step back. I need to get more intentional of what that looks like. And when I started doing that, and don't get me wrong, I still throw bowling balls over my shoulder every single day, <laughs> yet I'm a lot more intentional when I know I need to really get better at handing the baton off so that way the people that I want to win the race with me can take it and continue on. Wow, that's a great analogy. I really love that. That's good. I'm going to use that. There you go. <laughs> cool. Um, cool. Let's talk about raising money. You know, when you're getting these leads, they're all coming in and, and you're ready to, you know, the numbers make sense. You're ready to pull the trigger. Um, how, how are you? I mean, you've done over 150 deals now and you haven't used any of your own money. Correct. Uh, so yeah. how, how, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> So I use my own money in my rentals. Um, yeah. So I will disclose that. I use my money in my rentals. Okay. Um, in my flips, I use other people's money. So cool. the way I do it is um, kind of a cool story and the power of direct mail and how it can open up doors. Yes. Um, I found one of my very first private lenders from direct mail. And I went over there 
I was 23 years old and I was thinking I'm going to go in there with my clipboard and my button up shirt and hello, sir, you know, how you doing? Then, you know, do my whole spiel and <laughs> do my walkthrough, make him an offer and he's going to sell me the house. And uh, he was a seasoned investor. He'd been around some time. And uh, he goes, you know what? I'm not going to sell you my house, but what I am going to do is let you list this house. And if you do a good job, I'm going to take the profits and I'm going to invest in one of your flip deals. And long story short, I ended up selling 30 of their rental properties and uh, ended up getting about two and a half, three million dollars of their capital as being one of my main private lenders. And they fund my deals and they go in first position. They fund just like a lender would, um, but with a little bit more creative terms and options. They fund 90% of my purchase price. They give me 100% of the construction funds for the rehab. And then I have to come up with 10% of the down payment. But what I do is I don't put my money in as the 10% of the down payment. I leverage someone else's money for not only the down payment, but also for the holding costs while I'm flipping the property. And I secure both of these individuals' interests to the asset. So if I decide to run off to Mexico or do something stupid, they have collateral and they can take the money back and they get to keep uh, any of the money that I've paid them. But how do I protect the second investor's money? Yeah. Well, I make sure that uh, every single deal that I invest in, that I have enough margin in it to where if I had to flash sale it or something went wrong, that I'm getting it at a deep enough discount and through the process, I'm forcing enough appreciation where I'm creating margin on both sides of the deal to make sure that everybody's interests are protected. And of all the deals that I've done, I've lost money on, I used to, I used to say, man, I've never lost money on a deal until these last say 18 months. And that's uh, because I started going into some more uh, heavier development deals and making sure that if it's a riskier deal, uh, that I have the cash reserves to make sure I can pay off my investors. So I've lost money on three deals. Um, I've never lost an investor's money and Very been cool. able to pay all my investors back because like I said, crockpot mentality, I want to make sure I make everybody whole and I can continue to do these deals over and over again. So of 150 losing money on three, I think that's a pretty good batting average. Not but at bad. the end of the day, you know, you strike out, right? And yeah. that's part of uh, that's part of the process. And if you want to live a big life, if you want to have a big big income, if you want that lifestyle, you're gonna have to take some risk. And the people who play small and don't take those risks, don't take action, don't have the willingness to fail forward, are ultimately gonna be the people that look back in 60, 70 years and go, man, I wish I woulda. And I didn't ever want to be a part of the woulda, shoulda, coulda club. That's and right. that was one of the reasons that real estate was so fun and exciting to me was not only did I have the ability to generate big paydays, but I had the ability to do it when I didn't have to use any of my own money, which ultimately my first deal, I made six figures on that very first deal. And I was 22, 23 years old, living at home with my dad, barely able to pay him rent a couple hundred bucks in my savings, maxed out credit cards, no credit to qualify for a loan. And yet, because I knew these strategies and because real estate investing vehicle allows you to get creative and do these things, right. you don't need all of those things to go out and start and be successful. And that's why I love real estate so much. Oh, I love it, man. That's great. Um, now, when with the second person uh, that does that comes up with the 10%, are you putting them as second position on the lien? Correct. Yep. And you're third on there? Okay. I'm, I'm not third at all. There is no third lien. Oh, okay. Just because you don't have the... There's no, none of my funds in there. 
So okay. it's, it's the first lender gets their first money position. Second lender gets their second money position. All the deal is funded. All the construction is funded. I just have to sell it and make sure that everybody gets paid off and the margin that's you know, left after paying them back their principal, paying them back their interest. Yeah. I get to keep the equity in the deal that I've created. Okay. Now, um, what, what other kind of paperwork is needed to actually pull that kind of deal off? Um, uh, we just, we just had a, a private lender, uh, documents created by a real estate attorney. Okay. Um, you just need your promissory note lenders instructions to send over to escrow and, uh, the deed of trust. Okay. Very awesome. I love it. Cool. So, um, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I know you got a busy day ahead of you and, and you've obviously gave us a bunch of gold nuggets. I love it, man. You're definitely crushing it and somebody to, to admire and look up to with, uh, with your real estate business so far. So I'm excited for it. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's a, it's a pleasure being here connecting with you and your community. And at the end of the day, I mean, um, everybody's running their own race and everybody's at different parts of the race and different parts of the journey. And so, you know, as much as it's easy to say, don't get caught up in comparison. I know we all do it. I do it with my mentors and go, man, I should be further ahead. I should be here or I shouldn't be experiencing this challenge. And just know that as you seek progress in your life, whether it's in real estate investing goals, whether it's in your health, whether it's in your relationships, um, you're going to fall down and pain is, a part of the process ultimately and every level I heard this the other day and I, I loved it every level has new devils new limiting beliefs new concerns can I do this how can this work will it work for me right and every new level of success of you know achievement in life in any category of life will create new challenges for you and you just have to really change the relationship with that fear and that conversation and know that one you're capable and if you were to look back on everything that was scary to you at some point in time, as you went through it and did it, you went, ah, wasn't that scary actually? Or I did do it and I am yeah. capable and I am, right? And you answer all those limiting beliefs. So for me uh, and for anybody else that's listening out there to just know that if you want this, go after it and don't let those fears and concerns hold you back. Surround yourself with the right people, put yourself in the right environment. Those are two key things. Um, get the right mentor, right coach, whatever it may be. And uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. Always you know, be a student of the game and, and continue to just learn and level up and put one foot in front of the other. Because every single day, you know, if you look at the, the wealthiest people in the world, they'll, they'll, most of them will say that they didn't achieve success with lightning in a bottle. Even looking at Facebook and yeah. you know, all these big companies, there was an accumulation to having that lightning strike. But most people... The 99% of people out there, you know, they, they play small and they don't take that action. And the 1% of people who unlock the life and the wealth and the freedom that most people dream of are the people who just took small, smart choices every single day with the right habits, right disciplines, right strategies. They did it consistently and they did it over an extended period of time and the compound effect did the work for them. And ultimately looking back, you hear the 10, 20, 30 year success stories. Well, it's because they followed that equation and that's where they ultimately unlocked the freedoms and the wealth and the successes that they have. So just today, you don't have to have it all figured out. Just every single day, make small, smart choices, move the needle forward in some area, some category of your yeah. life each and every day. And you're going to get that compounding effect working for you. Yeah, I love it, man. I mean, you hit it right on the head. Just, just last night, me and Jennifer, my girlfriend, we were talking 
and uh, she was a little disappointed with where we're at, with you know where we should be. And it's very easy to compare when you're looking at you know everybody that you want to be. Or um, yep. I feel like a lot of people in general, you know, they they see on Instagram or celebrities, whatever it may be, like you know Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. You, you see the crazy success, and then you don't know what it. You're not looking at all the craziness that it took to get there. Yeah. Um, so. So I definitely, like you said, you know, fall in love with the process and, and it's not, it's not necessarily a race. It's a, it's a marathon, you know, being it for the long run, you've been in it for seven years, crushing it. And at seven years, that's still like, it's very, very, I'm a baby. I'm a baby. baby. Yeah, Yeah. I'm a baby in it. And, and you know, what it's done for me and my, my family, my life just in the last three years has, has been tremendous. So I'm, I'm very excited for, you know, my, my 10 year goals and, uh, and, you know, building that momentum um, along the way, but you definitely don't want to be in that position of, of looking back when you're older and, and living with regret um, from not actually taking action and implementing certain things that you might, you might be encouraged at one point to do, but for some reason you don't actually implement it. You don't take action on that, but you see other people doing that, you know? Yep. So couldn't agree more, man. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I actually came out selfish plug right here. I, I wrote the book because I, I saw so many people living with regret eventually um, and, and hating that, you know, they didn't take action. So um, this, this has helped me tremendously in certain things in, uh, in what I do on a daily basis. So I definitely wanted to encourage people um, to check that out. But um, how, how can people actually reach out to you? And when is your course coming out for, for, um, the Direct Mail Mastery will be coming out in the next, uh, really the next week or two. Yeah. Um, the six figure flipper is out. We got students all around the country and people can yeah. check that out or I have free trainings. Um, uh, so if they go to my website, mattachison.com, uh, the, there's all kinds of free guides and downloads and cool stuff there. Okay. Um, but if they want to reach out to me on Facebook or really Instagram, Twitter, all my uh, handles are official Mattie, M-A-T-T-Y-A, official Mattie, and they can reach out to me on there. Um, or just shoot me an email, uh, Matt at Matt Aitchison, or um, the sixfigureflipper.com is, is where they can sign up for the trainings to get more information there. Okay, awesome. That is awesome. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you, Matt. Um, You know, till next time, everybody, you guys have been listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. If you guys could, you know, if you found value in this, like it, share it, get it out there, leave a review, um, get people to see this so you can encourage more people to, you know, why why me and Matt found so much passion and love in real estate investing. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach me at BrandonElliottInvestments.com as well as my email, BrandonElliottInvestments at Gmail. So next time, guys, Matt, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. Anytime, man. All right. God bless, guys. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.